0: I'm Danielle Laporte, and essentially, this is a one-woman show about self-realization called With Love. Danielle, I'll be talking about compassion, self-help fatigue, sex, joy, serving the world. This is about a spirituality that's way more rock and roll than it is oppressive. I'm here to help you turn your anxiety into power. Personally, I want to live more deeply but lighten up You're gonna hear about all the ways that I have finally figured out how to do that. I am not into making grand motivational promises, but I can commit to showing up as fully, sincerely, authentically as possible with the intention of really alleviating suffering and amplifying joy, just for starters. It's about doing everything I can to help all of us feel a little less crazy, a lot more full of possibility and clearly part of the solution. Hey, hey. I am back with my regular series with Love, Danielle. Took a moment to do Grace for Impact for a while, all to do with the upheaval of the world health situation, but so much to do with things that we do in times of compression and change. So if you're feeling compressed and you need to change uh, rewind and 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 hit the grace for impact button but here we are to talk about empathy it's my new favorite topic i might just talk about that until i die but i say that i say that every episode <laughs> about something ah empathy i have a secret instagram account and I'm not going to tell you who I follow, and I'm not going to tell you my Instagram handle because it's a secret. Why do I have it? Because it's where I follow people and organizations who I might typically disagree with, who I might vehemently disagree with, or who I might feel like a little shy for the world to know like I actually agree with them. I don't follow any violent groups because I do not want to ingest that imagery or that vibration but I remain interested in the far left and the far right, in the up, the down, all of it. And this isn't just intellectual trend tracking, you know? This is actually part of my spiritual practice, which, of course, I'm about to unpack for you. So it goes like this. (laughs) I'm looking at a coconut person crazy extreme, what might be labeled as conspiracy theorist. I I, want to talk about what I learned, a bit about what I learned when I was running a think tank in Washington, D.C. And we never looked at anything as conspiracy theory. We looked at it as a possible trail to the truth. But that's not the point of this conversation. (laughs) So my spiritual practice goes something like this. As I'm looking at the potential coconuts on my secret Instagram account, I say to myself, might this character who sees the world drastically differently than I do actually have a useful point with regards to the state of the world and how we might make it better? As the saying goes, I think it's Winston Churchill, don't know. So I'm just going to call it a saying, even a stopped clock is right once a day. Huh? You get it? I want to understand people's pain. I, I want to pierce the veil of lies and illusion. I want to know how some of us get so fucked up. I, I want solutions. And uh, mostly, I'm looking for threads to tie us together into a more unified whole. Unity consciousness is the only way We get through what we are in right now. This is the occasion for unity consciousness. And what I've learned in a a really professional context, like running a think tank, is that solid conclusions only come from an inclusive point of view. You've got to look everywhere. So the more perspectives you include, the sharper your view. Seems counterintuitive, especially when... You want to be right. It's definitely counterintuitive when you want to be the right person in the room. More perspectives do not muddy the landscape. They just bring it into clearer focus about exactly where you're standing. More range of voices. Range of voices builds more wisdom. The emphasis here has to be on the range, the diversity of voices, not the quantity of voices. So getting opinions from a hundred people who think the same way isn't nearly as valuable as hearing from 10 people with contrasting experience and motivation. All right so when I was directing a future studies think tank it's it's trippy to even say that. Uh, we had an operating philosophy that you look everywhere. In order to see patterns, in order to find the outliers of change, you know, the stuff on the fringes that was going to come in and disrupt things, the, the innovative ideas, the, the potential problems. And once you spotted the long trend or that kind of bubbling shift, then you could go figure out how to either disrupt that or to support that, to foster that. And that's the essence of healthy systems thinking. It's a holistic view, a 360-degree view. It takes as many factors as possible, as many factors as possible into consideration before conclusions or plans are drawn, you know? So I thought that I was being trained on how to be a good futurist, but really I was learning a formula for empathy, empathy, Definition, the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. Synonyms for empathy, compassion, sympathy, considerateness, I love this one, tenderheartedness, kindness, sensitivity, insight, another beautiful one, fellow feeling, decency, humanitarianism, empathy. Oh, hey, just for a minute. Can I just slide off my soapbox and bring it behind the scenes and talk about what you need in order to be more empathized? You need to meditate, yo. And I have something for that. I have meditation kits. Love and radiance, healing your inner child, embrace, bringing in the divine feminine creation space to connect more to your expansive self And earth adoration, it's a practice of seva to pour your loving energy onto all elements of the earth. Yeah? Go to daniellelaporte.com slash meditations. All right, this is my big soapbox moment. I'm bringing it on early in here. Empathy is the only way we will navigate these acutely perilous times. And we've got to be feeling this pain acutely, perilous times, danger zone. How do we get through? Empathy. Empathy is the most critical ability for every human to develop right now. Not your math skills, not how to balance your budget. Empathy. Empathy. If I had to choose between excellent communication skills and empathy, I would choose to work on my empathy. Yeah. Empathy... This is it. (laughs) Empathy is what will save the planet and all life on it. So, this is urgent, something we all need to develop. Good news, it's innate in the human spirit, but it can get deeply buried under trauma and under all the dogma that we swim in around separation that we're separate from God, from each other, from our own divinity. I think it is. You know, if, if empathy is the salvation, empathy is the salvation, then lack of it is what's killing us. Lack of empathy is killing us. And Mother Earth, we have to learn to empathize like our lives depend on it, because they do. So back to my think tank days, Washington, D.C., super trippy. Um, we might have been writing a white paper on AIDS in Africa, uh weapons of mass destruction uh i mean the reason i got involved in that think tank was because we were doing a bunch of research on what was going to happen with y2k and from that we did a bunch of scenario planning on collapses potential collapse of civil society (laughs) can you see now like between weapons of mass destruction AIDS in Africa, why I just spend all my time writing about higher love these days. Anyway, we would get input from the obvious places, scientific reports, census data, public opinion polls. That was weird, working with polling agencies. Never believe what you hear in a poll, by the way. But the fun, I mean, definitely the fun, but the insight happened when we really let ourselves get weird with things. So... We would connect the dots. There were some times where we hired a world-renowned remote viewer. And a remote viewer is just a very specific and very conservative term for a psychic or a clairvoyant. I mean, you could split hairs about what a remote viewer sees and or how a clairsentient works. But bottom line, we had a psychic on payroll often. Um, yeah, we'd be sitting around in our boardroom thinking about how a pandemic might sweep through the country, or how riots could start. Keep in mind, this was 15 years ago. And one of the few geniuses, many geniuses I got to work with, would say something like, That reminds me of Socrates. He said, You know, or we'd be thinking about civil uprising, and one of us would say, Why don't we look at the habits of migrating birds? or butterflies. And maybe that gives us insight into group change and group think and how a large group moves swiftly into a new formation. Yeah, it was it was really exciting and beautiful. And what I learned is that insightfulness is often at the edge of reason. Insightfulness is at the edge of reason. Insight seems audacious it's a new pattern it's there's something disruptive and calming at the same time about insight of course you know this has been part of my devotion to higher love and what i know about that edge of reason of you know luminosity of a cohesive idea of something greater than ourselves, you know? That edge of reason is a really frightening place for the ego. Spontaneous change, organic change, all that stuff that is really unpredictable and really so spacious, that is it is not good for the ego's controlling nature. It's not what the ego is wanting. The ego is not pursuing true insight, you know? And the ego is not interested in inclusiveness. Follow this trail with me. The ego is vested in division, right versus wrong, worthy versus unworthy, self versus unity, right? The ego values its own perspective above other people's perspectives. I mean, this is this is the this is the characterization of a superiority complex, right? So the ego has a very fixed narrow view. And so the ego cannot empathize worth shit. And this works in very personal and interpersonal ways. So the egoic self doesn't want to empathize with your full range of feelings your own inner diversity um you know that ranges from why you're really scared the ego doesn't want you to dissolve your fear by looking into it by inquiry the ego wants you to stay stuck in that fear you stay divided from your power you stay stuck um the ego doesn't want you to feel divinely powerful capital divinely capital powerful it does not want you to feel one with something higher than yourself one with god because when you are feeling that oneness the ego dissolves it begins to shrink you know so if the ego doesn't have an inclusive lens if it doesn't want to empathize with all of you, with the various parts of you, with the range of your feelings, the ego certainly does not want to empathize with a full range of human beings or animals since we're talking about sentiency, living, breathing, feeling beings, humans, and animals. Ego doesn't want to empathize. Ego wants to stay as is, divided. So because the ego is not keen on inclusiveness. It is therefore not capable of empathy. But the heart is. The heart space is the source of empathy. The heart space is all inclusive. And by all inclusive, I do not mean that resort in Cabo. I mean everything's in. The heart space is vast. It is the space of expansiveness. And in that expansiveness, everything has a place. Everything has a place to be seen and felt and heard and respected and bask in the light of the soul. When it's in the landscape of love, when it's you, when you bring it into the heart, that's really the answer to so much. The pain, the problem, the solution you're looking for, just bring it into the mind of your heart. I actually see myself often, you know, if I'm pissed off with somebody or I'm feeling Too much of this, or too little of that, or I'm aching or longing or craving. Just see that thought of whatever is, whatever the discomfort is. I see that thought traveling down into my heart space, into my heart region. I just let that uncomfortable thought, that painful thought form sit in the space of my heart. Yeah, that's where empathy is. Empathy is love. You cannot have inclusive policies, or generative conversations, or intergenerational, or intersectional, or inter-anything without empathy. And we are desperately in need of all of those things, the policies, the generative conversations, intergenerational, intersectional, everything, now and always. What we're really looking at here is a revolution of love. More specifically, an uprising of empathetic people. And I, wish, I wish we could measure that. I wish that was something that the news could report on. Not that the news would be interested in reporting on empathy. So, how to empathize, how to be more empathetic. Let's revisit the definition. Empathy, the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. Now this is not to be confused with sympathy. So the definition of sympathy, feelings of pity or sorrow for someone else's misfortune. Shared sorrow, it's a beautiful thing. Sympathizers acting on behalf of a great cause, yeah? Super powerful. Pity, pity is altogether different. Pity can have some superiority to it. It's got, uh, not all the time, but sometimes it has this looking down uponness to it. Pity can also vastly underestimate the potential of the person that it's pitying, you know? And, of course, sometimes pity is a divine response. How can you not pity starving children in, in war-torn countries, you know? extreme circumstances loss of hope futility all understandable reasons for pity empathy empathy is it's a feeling it happens in the heart it's 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 not a thought form it's a feeling that turns into a thought form you hold it within your heart space empathy is uh, there's there's an intimacy to it it's more known you know Uh, It's more unifying. And therefore, I mean, when you feel the connection that empathy affords you, you're going to be much more inspired, maybe even much more motivated in terms of creating change on behalf of somebody else. When you feel someone else's pain, you're much more likely to work on behalf of alleviating their pain. Yeah? Yeah. Same for all the good stuff. If you feel someone else's joy, someone's ecstatic liberation, you're going to want to cheer on and fund and vote for and work on behalf of their higher state of being. That's easier to empathize if we feel safe in our own bodies and our own beings. Empathy is an extension of oneself. And you can't Extend, there's nothing to give from hollowness or from a disconnected state. So, deep empathy is not going to happen if you don't have a healthy sense of who you truly are. And you are truly a divine human. You have to have more than just a glimpse of your own divinity to really be empathetic because you extend. <laughs> Yourself in order to empathize. You're going to reach your energy outward. You're going to seek outwardly. And in order to do that without breaking, without being thrown off center, you need to be rooted in order to stretch like that. You need to be rooted into something much more meaningful, you know? In order to step out of our comfort zone of beliefs, our comfort zone of lifestyle, of our worldview, we ideally, need to feel that our identity and our relationships are not going to be demolished if we do step out of that comfort zone. If I consider that you are very right and I have been very wrong, I need to feel that life, that spirit, that my nearest and my dearest are going to love that more aware addition of me. Right? I I see my wrongness. I see your rightness. I am more aware. I'm more awake. I need to trust that God and my friends are going to be cheering on my newness. You know, if we fear that change, our new way of being, is going to result in loss or humiliation, then there's likely to be a reluctance. For us to change, right? And if we are hesitant to change, then we're going to shut down to feeling for other people, to empathizing with each other. Fear of change impedes our empathy. We will start denying someone else's experience so that we don't need to change our own ways of seeing, our own ways of being. Empathy is risky. At least it has perceived risk. And that's love. You know, love is daring like that. It's the only thing worth risking for, really. So the more secure we are in our relationship to spirit, the more empathetic we can be. If we know, if if we feel, if we know in our bones that we are standing on a foundation that has been built by... The creator by the divine feminine, the divine masculine, by God, however you perceive it. If we're standing on that foundation of love, of divinity, then we can hold our own perspectives. We can hold our pain and our power, and we can accommodate the perspectives and the pain and the and the powers of other people. If we feel fundamentally loved, fundamentally lovable. Fundamentally seen with the gaze of the divine, if we feel fundamentally loved by our own selves and the people who love us, then we have set ourselves up to be empathizing, unifying champions of higher love, even if there's pain involved in the experience of empathizing with somebody else. It's easier, so much easier, to be empathetic. If you are more accustomed to feeling your own feelings, if you have been shutting down and repressed and avoiding therapy, it's going to be difficult for you to empathize with other human beings. Not impossible, just a little more tricky. Conversely, for all the sensitive folks, for the hearts on sleeves people, I'm telling you, this is our time. This is our time to leave. Heart-centered leadership is empathy in action. Yeah, the world is crying for us to show up. Empathy is predicated on unity consciousness. The more you believe that we are one, the more likely, the more inclined you are going to be to empathize. Especially with People who you do not agree with, with people who you perceive to be hostile, with people who are actually attacking with evil. I'm not saying we need to empathize with evil. I'm saying that we need to consider what is behind evil behavior, at least bad behavior. I was in a market, small corner market, those charming markets in I Hate Ashbury in San Francisco. And I witnessed what looked like a grandmother. She seemed too old to be the mother of these two very young children. And she was yelling, and and this might be upsetting for some people, but I have to tell you what happened. She was screaming at these two sweet children. and She said, if you don't stop asking for a popsicle, I'm going to bash your effing head in. And it was vile. It was one of the most bitter things I had ever heard or 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 seen in person. There's nothing subtle about it, and oh, just I remember standing in the back of that little tiny grocery store, getting my laundry detergent, just starting to cry. I wanted to tuck those little boys in my backpack and make a run for it. And I thought about heading to the front of the store to talk to the shopkeeper and could we could we call social services and the caretaker and the kids ended up leaving before I could even put all those thoughts in a coherent order. And, but mostly I wanted to scream back at her, you are killing them. And I went through this, just sort of this flash of what could possibly happen. Like these kids are going to turn to drugs to numb out the pain that this is causing them. And, and because it's such a racket with certain populations being imprisoned, which is really just slave labor, you're actually, you're putting these kids in jail And you're killing them. Yeah. At the time, uh, that time in my life in San Francisco, I was doing a lot of uh, reading of Jack Kerouac and Osho and not controversial at all these days and Ram Dass and I was just really moving into that deeper awareness of oneness. Awareness. And in that moment once that horribly behaved woman left the store, I decided I'd like to put oneness awareness to use. And I thought that terrible, awful woman and I are one. We're from the same source. And it softened me immediately. And I wasn't that monumental. I didn't go rescue those kids. I didn't confront or reach out to that woman in that moment. But energetically, that created a shift. It was an improvement over just pounding out this, you know, these bitter shock waves toward her. I softened. And I started to think about her pain and all that she must have gone through to get so far fucking gone. And it was a flash of empathy. And then I said a really active, fervent prayer for the future of those boys. But I softened. That's what empathy does. One source unity consciousness, one source, even the most evil amongst us. We are all from the one source. And that perspective changes everything. That's the viewpoint that allows for healing to flow. Empathy does not dilute the need, the necessity for justice. We live in a dualistic dimension, cause and effect, human and holy. There should be justice on this plane. Justice brings things back into alignment. Justice for protection. Justice for the dissolution of karma. Justice for rehabilitation. Rehabilitation is more likely to happen when we empathize with the humanity of the person who's caused harm. And not everybody can be rehabbed in this lifetime. That's for sure. But so many of us can. If someone feels for the wounds of the perpetrator and feels for their potential, being more empathetic, being astoundingly empathetic is not going to disable you. It's going to wake you up. There's so very, very, very much, oh God, to be sorrowful about right now. And if we see that clearly, instead of denying it and not feeling it, if we feel that, then we are more equipped to create solutions. We're more alert. We're more in love. Empathy is a form of consciousness, you know? So I know a lot of us are concerned in the conversation of empathy, that we'll be taken under if we feel other people's intense feelings, that it's too much for me. I understand that. I hear that from empaths. I don't identify as an empath. Maybe I should. I don't know. I I get that. And I know that that can be a real challenge for people who are highly sensitive people. But empathizing does not mean that you ingest and carry the feelings of another person with you. You're not taking it in in that way. It means that you are seeking, you are extending yourself to understand. It's an extension, not an ingesting. It's a very different approach here. It means that you're seeking to understand the nature, the texture of another person's feelings of another person's experience. You touch the feelings. You don't pick them up and leave the building with them. You let the other person have their full experience. And you share and you relate where you can. You share your understanding. Just think about how much healing can happen when we're simply witnessed. When we are the witnesser. You know, to be witnessed... Oh, is to be basking in the medicine of someone's attention, you know, to be the recipient of love. And to be the witnesser is to expand our capacity to to channel God, to be a conduit of love and understanding, yeah? And I'm really coming to the conclusion that empathy is... It's that the metaphysics that proves that to give is to receive. Yeah, so much healing when we can simply be witnessed, be the witnesser. When someone says, I want to understand, and then they do what it takes to really understand, to know, to be known. That's the purest human need. this is what empathy asks how do you feel and why what do you think and why what could be wise about this what do we have in common what about us is the same what repels me about this (laughs) about you (laughs) might want to not ask that question out loud what compels me about this. What do I resonate with? And if this is true, what needs to change? If what you're saying, if what you're feeling is true, I think all feelings are true, but if, if, if this is true, what needs to change for me, for them, for all of us, for Mother Earth? Empathy's constant declaration is this. I want to understand how you feel and why I want to understand how you feel and why and when we see that web of life then we can create better outcomes for each other empathy is the antidote to misery as usual Eckhart nails this he says all misery I was going to do an Eckhart imitation right there It would be very disrespectful I'm not going to do it um, all misery on the planet arises due to the personalized sense of me or us that covers up the essence of who you are. When you are unaware of that inner essence in the end, you always create misery. It's just as simple as that. When you do not know who you are, you create a mind made self as a substitute for your beautiful divinity. I'm just going to say that again. You create a mind-made self as a substitute for your beautiful divinity, and you cling to that fearful and needy self, protecting and enhancing that false sense of self then becomes your primary motivating force. That's the end of Eckhart speaking. Now I'm going to speak, and I'm going to say, yeah, that is the crusade of the ego. Now the heart's mission, I I don't think the heart is on a crusade, Uh, But the heart has a mission. The heart's vision is to be aware of your divinity as a soul, as an individual, and to be aware of the divinity of others. And empathy is what makes that happen. Empathy, the ability to understand and share the feelings of another, compassion, tenderheartedness, sensitivity, insight, fellow feeling, decency, humanitarianism. Who could use more of that? We could. I want to understand how you feel and why. Try that out, that question. Try it out on everyone, everywhere. Might that character who sees the world drastically differently than you do, who's actually totally offensive to your worldview, might they have a useful point with regards to the state of the world and how to make it better? Grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand. I want to understand how you feel and why. Oh, hi, conservative, libertarian, pro-life, pro-choice, small-town, capitalist, union leader, schoolteacher, teenager, elder, priest, homophobic, drag queen, indigenous, Meditator, landowner, roving, flat-earth-believing, in-recovery, narrow-minded, compassionate, animal rights activist, cattle rancher, guru, devotee, convicted, lottery winner, extraterrestrial, profoundly loving, monogamous, polyamorous, queer, goth, catholic, baptist, muslim, hindu, baha'i, tantric, spinning, prayerful, preaching, lecherous, parasitic, philanthropist, dogmatic, gifted, gentle soul, child, wisdom keeper, civil servant, survivor, me too, you too, holy being of the human race on the planet. Right now, I want to understand how you feel and why. You drive me crazy, make me angry, infuriated. You confuse me i adore you i like you i respect you i don't understand you feel like home to me so refreshing i love learning from you you expand my horizons you make me glad to be alive at the same time i give thanks to creation for this divine meeting and timing i feel offended Not heard. I am closing down. I am opening up, and it's so vitalizing. We are each other's keeper. I hadn't thought of it that way. I see your point. I will protect you. I feel defensive. It's because of my own wounds. Can you please understand? May I ask for compassion? I am here to serve with joy. I'm resistant. Converted. Compelled. Curious. I am deeply moved by how much we all want to love and be loved. Together. Different. But in community. I treasure you. I honor that we are sharing the same space. I will carry you when you need to be carried. Thank you for carrying me. I'm frightened. I see your heart. I notice your pain. I'm lost. I am pre-programmed. Your kindness deprograms me. Kindness deprograms hatred. We are sharing the same space, whether I like it or not. We come from the same star. I want to partner, to alleviate suffering and amplify joy, to know the true reality of unity, consciousness, and higher love. At least, I'm trying. I want to understand how you feel and why. And that's how empathy rolls. You gotta pierce the veil. Find the threads that tie us together into a more unified whole. Even if they're just like tensely thin threads hanging by a thread. Those threads of commonality, they lead us home. and. You know, don't most of us just want to feel at home, at home in our bodies, with each other, at home on this body of the Divine Mother that we call Earth? At home. We are each other's way home. But how do we know if we don't ask for directions? If we don't find out where each other is at in time and space? I know you can empathize empathy is the alchemy of love we go from unknown to known yeah it's like it's like magic miles apart to seeing that we are standing on common ground seeking to understand changes everything even more than being understood empathy is kind of selfless just for a minute it is most definitely virtuous And it's everything we need of ourselves and of each other right now, strong love. Or as my shrink, Michael, said to me recently, just last night, as a matter of fact, to forget the self is to have a self strong enough to do the forgetting, that's empathy. Empathizing is realizing, it makes us stronger. It's the inclusive view that shows us what's really happening everywhere. It's the inclusive view that shows us what's really happening. And it shows us what the next right move is for the lives that we want to live, for the lives that we all want to live, side by side. Empathy makes you an instrument of peace. Seeking to understand is how you become a conduit of peace. Saint Francis of Assisi knew this way back in the 13th century. I'm sure he did. But there's this other guy, actually, Father Esther Bucarell from Paris, whom scholars believe was the actual author of the Prayer of St. Francis. But, you know, I, I kind of think that the way things went for women in the Dark Ages and organized religions, this very well could have been penned by a nun who did not get the credit for it. You know, she's all radiant but oppressed. But never mind. Whoever wrote this, Knew about the metaphysics of devotion. Yeah. It's one of my favorite prayers ever. This is a prayer for empathy. The prayer of St. Francis. Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is error, truth. Where there is doubt, that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Amin, Inshallah. Verily, so be it. And so it is. Thank you so much for listening, for feeling for spreading the word with love.